everyone. Welcome back to the Film Fund Podcast. I'm your host, founder, and executive producer at the Film Fund, Thomas Verity. I'm also an award-winning filmmaker, producer, and film festival judge. I started the Film Fund to give filmmakers an easier, alternative way to get their films funded. Instead of working on a screenplay, crowdfunding campaign, or grant application, you write one sentence pitching your film for a chance to receive up to $10,000 and other prizes to make it. Our winter 2022 narrative and documentary funding contests are now closed. Thank you, everyone, for entering. We're excited to begin the judging process. And I want to remind listeners the contests do happen regularly. So if you're listening to this at a later date, check the website at thefilmfund.co for the most up-to-date information. You can subscribe to our email newsletter there as well, where we'll send out updates every week on what's going on at Film Fund. Speaking of judging, today we have Jason Stefaniak, a judge of the Film Fund. If you've been to our website and read our bios, super excited to have him on the show today. We can talk about his experience as a judge. He's also been a film festival programmer at various festivals. He's a producer. He's a director. A lot of stuff to talk about. Jason, thank you so much for coming. You can give a much better intro about yourself than I can. Uh, could you tell us a little bit, bit about yeah, yourself? Thanks for having me. Um, so I, I guess I was one of those kids that realized from a rather young age, like the beginning of high school, that I wanted to be a filmmaker. It was something that kind of clicked in and there was no plan B and there was no looking back. And uh, I think uh, in the grand scheme of things, I, I'm, I'm lucky to kind of have such a strong passion and, and clarity about what I wanted to do. So I went the film school route and after um, undergrad, I, I felt like I needed to kind of buy more time to get better at it. And so I decided to apply to grad school. It was a very last minute thing that was not part of the plan. Um, I ended up going through the NYU grad film program um, kind of right after oh, cool. undergrad, which brought me to New York. And then um, ever since it's been kind of a mix of you know, freelance work and putting together my own projects and work that has nothing to do with film, but, but pay the bills. Um, I've done a lot of kind of narrative shorts as I've slowly over the years been kind of trying to put together what could be my first narrative feature. Um, I've done a bunch of nonfiction recently. And then for the past couple of years, I've been working at a company called Freethink, a digital publisher that we think of as like Ted meets Vice. So the thoughtfulness and the big okay. ideas of Ted meets the field documentaries of Vice. Um, so I, I started out producing short docs for the company. And now for the last year, I've been uh, I've been directing full time for them. Very cool. And they're based in New York as well. They're we're always kind of a remote company. So there's people okay. in, you know, West Coast, East Coast, all over the place. We kind of gather on Slack, which feels like, you know, what happens in 2022. Right, right. And you're in New York, though. I am, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, that's awesome. What uh, What did you enjoy more? Did you like directing for them better? Do you, Did you like producing for them? Did you kind of like both? Yeah, I feel like like producing comes naturally to me. I have the brain for it. I have the personality for it. It was kind of mm. the thing that I had to offer for my fellow film students. Some people would grip, some people would shoot. Producing or ADing was kind of my thing. So it's nice to do something that you're, you feel good at. And it was a good way to kind of learn the company and learn their, the company's voice and um, take on challenges of producing three or four or five short pieces at once. Uh, but directing is what I've always really wanted to do. It's what I love doing. It feels like a bigger challenge for me. Um, so it's been really exciting to kind of full on be in the director's chair and uh, kind of have to learn how to do that express myself, but also kind of, you know, accomplish the editorial or company objectives, which each of the stories that we're, we're making. That's awesome. So 
when you were at NYU as directing, what you focused on, or did you kind of have to do a little of everything there? Yeah, all the grad students are um, essentially training as directors, but you uh, rotate through each other's crew positions as you're making each short film. So okay. you learn a little bit of all of it, um, but everyone is directing so many films every year, and most people then will direct uh, a short film or even a feature for their thesis project to graduate. Got it. Very cool. Yeah, I, I toured NYU a few years ago. Um, I got my grad degree in engineering technically it was an entrepreneurship program but the plan was to actually go to get my mfa at a film program after that but then i got very busy with the film fund and just some other projects and now i'm like okay well technically i'm running a film company i don't know if i necessarily need to spend all this money on a, a grad degree now um, yeah <laughs> but i did fall in love with the program um when i toured there like i totally fanboyed out they said darren aronofsky was teaching a course and I was like, oh, Darren Aronofsky's teaching a course. Yeah. It was so cool. Um, but that's awesome that you have that experience. I always love getting different perspectives, people who've gone to film school, people who didn't go to film school. Um, what's your typical day-to-day -day like at Freethink? Um, I guess you're, you said you're more of a director there now. Um, so yeah. what does that look like? So I am tasked with making 15 videos a year. So 15 kind of six to nine minute short nonfiction videos a year. Um, those are a mix of what we call editorial pieces. So those will be stories that we kind of seek out that we think our audience will like that we make. And then we also kind of make pieces in collaboration with foundations or corporations. Very similar thing, but you're doing it with this added partner and added voice mm -hmm. in the room. And so my, you know, I'm always kind of balancing more than one project at once. Um, you know, I might be doing a, a pre-interview phone call with a potential subject, and then I might be reading a transcript from an interview and making selects. I might be writing an outline or reviewing a cut. Mm -hmm. um, and it can be a mix of those tasks kind of every day as we, I'm kind of moving towards the next production. And sometimes we'll kind of pack productions back to back. So beginning of March, I'll have three weeks in a row where I'm going to shoot three different pieces. Mm -hmm. And then I'll kind of shift back to like a month of planning and post as we get ready for the next um, next round. So it's it can be a lot to balance mm -hmm. so many projects. It also feels like the skill that I'm going to walk away from this company with, which I wouldn't have had the chance otherwise to have to balance so many different projects yeah. and, and give good feedback and, and have clarity. Um, but it's also fun that like in one day you can be giving notes on a cut and then be doing a phone yeah. call and then be writing a treatment and be able to move through the yeah, whole you're working process. Different areas of the brain and different creative exercises. Yeah. It's awesome. Um, you're kind of like project managing yourself as well with all the different tasks and <laughs> your project managing yes. tasks as director on the projects, but also like, what am I going to focus on now? I guess um, that's really cool. It's definitely a unique, um, definitely have a unique background. Can you tell me a little bit about your experience with film festivals? And you were at Brooklyn Film Festival for a little while. Um, you were a programmer there? Yeah, so I programmed the feature narrative section um, at the Brooklyn Film Festival for okay. two years. And so I think I, you know, at the time, I, I think I had done a little bit of screening work for other festivals. I really wanted to kind of get more of that type of experience and potentially explore, you know, kind of like a nine to five um, in mm. that world and the kind of programming world as a way to support myself while making films. So I just was was reaching out to a ton of festivals to see if they needed screeners, et cetera. And that's how I connected with the Brooklyn Film Festival. And 
there ended up being an opening and I, you know, they thought of me and it's a pretty, um, it's a pretty small festival and, um, you know, pretty bootstrapped in like a great way. And so I suddenly went from like being a new screener to them looking at my background and interviewing me and saying, Hey, do you want to give programming a try? So I kind of dived into it. Um, It's been a couple of years now, but from what I can remember, we would get, I think like probably like three or 400 submissions of so future have, films watch every year all of them or did you guys like split it up somehow what did that process look like if you're able to say yeah so i would i would try to recruit volunteer screeners okay. that would work with me um and then i would try to give each of them you know maybe like 10 mm-hmm. films to start with the deadline and then if they got through that on time if they wanted more i might give them more but generally i assumed that uh, I was going to have to watch right. the majority of those, the vast majority of those. Um, the, I guess the dirty little secret, and maybe it's not a, a, a dirty little secret, is that you don't necessarily watch the film mm-hmm. all the way through when you've got 390-minute right. movies. And, you know, you're a programmer who's making, like, a $2,000 <laughs> stipend for seven mm-hmm. months of, of work. So it's, it's not a full-time job. But I will say, you know, being a filmmaker myself and feeling like, oh, you do all that work to make a film and you submit right. it and they don't even watch the whole thing. We always watched enough to know for sure kind of what our uh, what direction we were going to head in. If you watch 25 minutes of a movie and it's not grabbing you, it's not great, it's technically not up, uh, up to par, and then you, you watch another one that from the beginning is – you know, the argument is maybe that that one that you watch 25 minutes mm-hmm. of gets better, but you've got so many other films that are good from the start. And when when you always have more films that are worth programming than you mm-hmm. could ever actually fit, you know, you're not going to give a slot to a film that's maybe, you know, working 60 right. or 70% of the time versus a film that's, yeah, and, you know, um, much I, better. I'm a judge for... Uh... Not the, technically the term programmer, but it's a, a small festival in it's a community festival in Bucks County called Bucks River Film Fest in Pennsylvania, and we go through. They're all short, all short films, but even if you're looking at a short that's maybe you know 10, 15 minutes long, it's not. If it's not technically up to par, if there's not a good story, if it's not working, it's not going to magically turn around halfway through it. Um, so yeah, I definitely agree with you there. Right. Um, so everyone listening, make your films amazing from <laughs> the first uh, the first frame if you can. Um, definitely, you know something has to grab you. That's a great bit of, bit yep. of advice too. Yeah. Um, they, you know, I I haven't read a million screenwriting books, but I know the few that I have read, they always say, you know, something you have to grab your audience in like the first few pages, first ten minutes of the movie. I forget exactly what the the number is, but you know there needs to be an interesting hook there that makes you want to keep watching. Yeah. And I, you know, I think it, when you're a programmer or a screener, you know, you're watching the films probably in a different way than if you're just a viewer who, you know, you spent $4 to rent it on your TV or you went to the movie theater. When I do that, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't stop the movie I've committed. I'm going to watch the whole thing. But when you're a programmer, you're looking at them through a different lens. You have got so many films to get through that if from the very beginning, the film's already lost you it mm-hmm. you're it's kind of working against you watching longer you right. kind of want it to convince you to keep watching and i think the films that you know make you want to keep watching simply put are the ones that you end up 
watching all the way through and become real mm-hmm. contenders for, for, for programming. And that's not to say like, you don't finish watching a slow film or a challenging film, you know, a slow film or a challenging film can be much more captivating than an action film. That's not, that's not working. Um, I realized too, like in retrospect now with my experience at Freethink, you know, we're making five or six minute mm-hmm. short documentaries for the internet. And so we think a lot about what are the first three or six seconds of the story? How are you crafting that? What is it? You know, are you using text on screen? Is it an emotional moment so that yeah. you can get someone to stop scrolling? And we're, we're focused on solutions oriented stories. You know, we don't make clickbait. We tell a lot of like science and medical stories. So the stories themselves are complex and thoughtful, but as much as it might be annoying to think we live in a world where you have to compete with memes and whatever else people are scrolling with, it's just kind of the reality. And I, when I think about it now, it's like, I guess mm-hmm. programming and screening is a similar thing. You're watching so many films back to back that if they're not working in the first two, five, 10, 15, 20 minutes, when you have a pile of films that are, you're just not going to keep watching to see if it recovers. Totally. Mm-hmm. So a lot of awesome advice and experience here. How is broad question for you? Just thinking of our it is film film community um, and looking at film festivals as a whole, is there any advice you would give for, you know, a, a filmmaker who's maybe just starting out regarding film festivals and their approach to submitting? to Yeah. Them? So I've been there. Uh, you know, I remember when I was still submitting to festivals, like before you even did it all online, I was just, I had like piles of envelopes and making DVDs. Um, yeah. You know, based on what I even just said, it's clearly very subjective. You know, who's the programmer and who are the screeners? What are the objectives of the festival? What's the theme of the festival? The Broken Film Festival would have a different theme every year. So you might have a lot of great films, but okay. then you pick the ones that fit the theme and that are going to play well together. Uh-huh. So, what kind of themes would they uh, have? I think generally? like what was the last year? I think the last year I did was 2019 or 2018. So there was something that was related to like the politics of the time, something about art and politics. Okay. So you know that might help. And the very when you've got your 40 or 50 films that are all programmable and you only have 13 slots, that theme might help you mm-hmm. decide which one to to fit. All that mm-hmm. you know, just to say that like it's so intensely subjective that as much as it hurts and you should give yourself a little chance to deal with the rejection because you will be rejected because we all are and will be constantly. You kind of just have to keep going. You have to send it to the next festival. You have to make the next film. Um, I I think some festivals offer feedback and when they do, um, I'll kind of put a calendar reminder for like when the festival's ended just to write an email to ask for that feedback. Um, I would always encourage people to ask for uh, fee waivers I was doing this before I was a programmer. And then when I was a programmer, I would get these emails. And my personal rule as a programmer, because there was no kind of festival mandate, was if somebody asked, I gave it to them. So if somebody said, can okay. I have a discount? Can I get a free waiver? I would say yes. And it didn't happen that often. Mm-hmm. You would think it would happen a lot more. Um, being, being asked. asked. Yeah. So when I was on the other side of it, before I worked at Brooklyn, I had like an email template that I would update with whatever the newest project is, and I would send it off. Uh-huh. And I would ask either for um, a fee waiver or maybe a, um, a deadline waiver if I was right up against the deadline. 
but yeah, I mean, a lot of times the worst case scenario, they're not going to respond to you. But I often, mm -hmm. even when I was asking would get discounts or would get uh, the fee waived and then you save the yeah. little money and that's, you know, one more festival that doesn't get fee waivers that you could actually submit to. Do you think that could cause some festival programmers or people in the organization to like have, I feel like some filmmakers would be worried if they ask for a fee waiver, maybe they'll be seen in like a bad light or something like that. Like, oh, like, no, yeah, no. Yeah. I mean, at least not from my experience. No, not at all. You know, that's like mm -hmm. the, the way that you submitted the, whether you paid or not kind of had no connection to once the film kind of ended up in my pile to start being screened. Gotcha. Yeah. What I would mm -hmm. say is like, I wouldn't wait until the late deadlines to submit. Um, mm -hmm. You know, when we're screening three or 400 feature films and let's say the early deadline was, in December or January, the late deadline was maybe March. And we were announcing the lineup in like late April, early May. Yeah. By the time we were getting those late films, I had watched a majority of the submissions already. I already had a running list mm -hmm. of the ones that, you know, I thought were good. That's not to say that a yeah. late submission can't get added to the good list, but you're then competing mm -hmm. against a, a program that is slowly coming together. And it might be more beneficial for you to say, all right, let me just wait a year and I'll submit early, you know, in nine months instead of submitting late right now. Yeah. I can't think of an instance, just even in life where doing something late is bad, right. <laughs> beneficial. I feel like it's, I'm, I'm always the type of person who likes to be early and submit things on time. Not that, you know, I know they have these extended deadlines and late deadlines and a lot of festivals say they're, oh, you know, they're judged equally and, you know, they're, it doesn't hurt you to submit late. Um, but, you know, you never know. Like, right. you're not the one working there. You just kind of have to take their word for it. Like, I I have a short I'm still in post-production with, and I'm just, we're taking our time with it. You know, no one's working on it as their full-time job. So we're waiting on uh, the score and the sound design. Um, shout out to Nat Jenkins. If you're listening to this, please send me <laughs> a response to my email. Um, but yeah, like, I was considering doing late deadlines. And I said, you know what? I would rather just submit it to the early deadlines. We'll wait till next year for some of these fests. Um, and I think that can only help you you know getting getting yeah. in early um for sure it it probably makes it more likely too that you get a fee waiver and i don't really remember if people were asking for fee waivers late in the process but for it to be the late deadline and they're asking for a waiver maybe it just starts to feel like uh you're just probably better off you know wait five or six months it'll already be time mm -hmm. to submit for next year and and right, ask right, for right. a waiver then and submit it early mm -hmm. is there any part of the process being a programmer watching those films that you enjoyed the most um I, I did enjoy watching the films it was pretty intense mm -hmm. to have that many films to watch you have to be like yeah. pretty especially when it's not your full-time job you have to be pretty disciplined and have an organizational system for you know how you're keeping track of your impressions of a film if you have screeners you know they would um, keep track of their impressions but often i would then like spot check the films to make sure that mm -hmm. the screeners i um, recruited were aligned with the way that I was kind of thinking about the films. So that was fun. And then I think like putting that, that program together, what are the 12 or 13 films? How does, how is the program kind of balanced in a number of different ways? And then, um, being able to do the Q and A's with the filmmakers. So being able mm -hmm. to introduce the film, have the screen film, have the film screen, and then to talk to the, the filmmakers afterwards as a filmmaker myself, it was, I felt like a weird sense of pride, even though it wasn't my film. Right. 
just because I had liked it, it you know, I, I saw something in it and I helped mm -hmm. get it in front of an audience in some small way. I felt like a lot of, of, of pride in that when an audience would like a film, I, I felt really proud to have helped get that film in front of yeah. them. You become attached to it, you become invested in it and, and you want to see it um, do well. You're excited for the filmmaker. I totally get that. I have, I have that same experience um, at the fest I'm associated with. Even film fund entries, like th there's a lot of, I get a lot of emails from people, you know, just running the film fund day to day, the operations, doing the marketing, everything. Um, but I just love like sending those emails to winners and even finalists saying like, Hey, here yeah. are the results. It's just exciting. And then to see that, to get their updates and see the rough cuts being sent in and the final cuts and the premieres that they're doing. Um, it's just rewarding. So I, yeah. I totally, totally get that. Um, talking about judging for the film fund besides, I mean, obviously we have our criteria that we judge on, um, you know, the compelling premise and what you would you do with the funding, some of the funding to make it, but is there anything specific you look for in a good pitch? I mean, we have, uh, for anyone listening, we do have blog posts that say what our judges kind of look for in pitches. You know, we want good conflict. We want a lot of things. Uh, if you go to the blog or email me, I can send you some of those links. But specifically, Jason, do you have anything in particular that you like to see in a one-sentence pitch? Yeah. You know, I think when I first read through them, um, I'm... I'm just trying to be aware of my own gut reaction to them. What are the ones similar to screening a film at the festival? What are the ones that make me excited, that make me lean forward a little bit, that make me wish mm -hmm. I had had that idea? Those are the ones. Um, and then I probably, you know, I think about how fresh does this feel? Um, does it feel like it has a strong perspective? You know, as a storyteller, as a as a director, does the idea feel like inflected with somebody's ideas mm -hmm. about the world, or is it just kind of a retread of what they've right. seen before? Which is fine. That's how we all start. We just copy what we see and what we like. But eventually, you need to kind of break away from that and have something to say. Um, and I think the ones where there is clearly somebody that has something to say and is searching at how to say it are the ones that stick out to me and the ones that I feel like I want to, I want to be excited for and root for and hope that they, they get the, the mm -hmm. support. Yeah. And we saw a lot of that um, over the pandemic when, with pitches coming in, you know, with their themes of isolation, there were, you know, all the George Floyd protests and Black Lives Matter. We saw a lot of people putting pitches in saying like, Hey, I have something to say about this. Um, so I, I think that's definitely a really good thing to look for and to keep in mind when you're pitching a project and writing a project, um, are you just writing it because you think this line of dialogue will sound really cool or this shot will look cool or like, what's the bigger message behind it? Um, I think that's really important to keep in mind as a storyteller. Yeah. And even if it's not a, <clears throat> excuse me, even if it's not a, you know, a, a political message, you can still have something to say. You can you can bring your unique perspective oh, to a genre film. That you know, you and I could have the same script and we would make mm. two different films. And it's the differences that make people interesting as filmmakers. So I think that's if I have to put into words like what I'm looking for when I read the submissions, it's probably that it's somebody that has a clear sense of what mm -hmm. they're trying to do and what they're trying to say. And then maybe on top of that, they're adding a layer of 
creativity or, you know, a, a, a clever premise or a little bit of humor, whatever it is to go about saying that and all together, it kind of makes their, you know, their one or two sentence pitch really sing. Yeah. And I think, I think what we're both saying is we want to see a clear vision for the pitch. Yeah. Uh, I know that's really reductionist and simplifying everything you just said, um, but that's why we require the use of funding too. You know, we're obviously you can't put every single thing you're going to spend uh, in your budget in that little section of the pitch. But if there's something unique about what you're spending the funds on, um, like is the production design really important or is the makeup important? Or are you getting some kind of special rig? Like, oh, we need this, you know, for a snorri cam. Like if you have a reason for doing that, and it's not just because it's cool, but because that's the distinct way you want to communicate your vision, I think that can really help um, as well. For sure. That's something yeah. I look for. Yeah, as you point that out, you're right. It's like that that perspective also carries over into specifically what they're saying they're going to spend the money on, mm -hmm. which can often be like a little humorous. It can be so specific that it's yeah. charming. Um, and also, obviously, it communicates their level of understanding of what it takes to make a film. You know, if they're if it's very general or, you know, if they have these kind of big plans, but it's it's clear that they're kind of being naive about what it's going to take or what part of the process they're in. All those are kind of red flags. Yeah. Again, when you're judging, you know, one idea against another, it's not that one idea is necessarily bad or good. It's just one might be more ready for the support or more ready to be screened at a festival than another. 100%. And so, yeah, it's like use that whole sentence to communicate to me your perspective on the material, but also a little bit of your personality. If you're making a comedy, and your, you know, your pitch for the idea is really clever, then I think the second part of the sentence that's describing what you're going to use the money for, it's okay mm -hmm. to add a little bit of personality and humor into that as well. Yeah. I, I mean, we love that, especially just me thinking about <laughs> running the social media. One thing I really look for as we get these expense reports from the winners after they shoot is um, like interesting line items from the budgets that I like to feature on Twitter. We haven't had too many because a lot of the projects were stalled because of COVID. Um, but one was from Matthew Greenberg, one of our early winners who did Treehouse. And he had in his budget, it was literally, um, I forget where he got it, but it was like some Black and Decker. It was essentially a How to Build Treehouses book for dummies. <laughs> it was hysterical. I was like, this is great. This is great content for social. Um, it tells the whole story. It's like he didn't, you know, he literally bought a book on how to <laughs> build a treehouse yeah. and I could just like that to me shows the dedication he was putting in to the story um, as well. Yeah. Um, and I just think like, think of your pitch as a whole vision, not just a present, a premise. And then, Oh, I have to add this other part too. It should really be cohesive. Um, I think that's a, sure. a good way to think about it. And that's just, you yeah. know, when you're writing a script, when you're producing a script and directing, I think there's so many moving parts. Like, I was uh, listening to a podcast yesterday, the, what's it called? The, uh, it's from the DGA, Director's Take, I forget. Um, but anyway, it was with Guillermo del Toro, and he's talking about, um, the, the moderator asked a question about different department heads. He was like, your movies are always so perfect looking, you know, from the costume design to the production design and the sets and the special effects. It's like, how do you communicate with the department heads and i'm going to butcher his answer but it was something like i don't think about department heads i just think about telling the story and it, like mm -hmm. in a cohesive way where everything is important it's like if he was essentially saying like if i'm going to half-ass one of these elements of the film that's going to detract from the story 
um, as a whole. So really, th it is just one sentence, but it's really a lot bigger than that when you think about it. Yeah, right. It's like it use if you can't use your skills as a storyteller to 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 work and to rework and to revise one sentence so that it pops and is catchy, then I think that casts doubt on your ability to, you know, make a short mm -hmm. film to to be a compelling filmmaker in a short film. So put the effort in, right? It's not just meant to be like a a pretty vanilla request. It's meant to catch our attention and to carry some of that perspective and that creativity of what you hope to do with the, yeah. the film. And we, excitingly, we keep getting more and more submissions and we pour over everyone. I go literally with a pen looking at each submission. So when I see one that's exciting, that gets me, I get excited about it. So write something that's going to excite me and excite our judges um, because it, it brightens <laughs> my day after like a long day, hours and hours of going through them all. If I see something really good, um, it you know makes me happy and like not to not not to say like you know i don't want to discourage anyone because everyone starts from a different point but like think about what you're trying to say and really work on it like some people workshop their sentences for months before they submit them um other people fire them off and write them for the first time literally in the form like, that's okay too it depends on your process i guess but um just really i'm repeating myself a lot but just think about like how you're telling your story and how you're pitching it um i think that's going to help you not only as you know someone trying to raise funding, but it's going to help your film as well. It's going to help you narrow in on that log line. Yeah. Yeah, I would say at the end of the day, whether it's film fund or it's you know other competitions or grants that require much more in-depth uh, applications, you know, there's no guarantee you're going to get the support. I mean, you know, it's likely you're not going to when you just think about statistically. But they are forcing mechanisms to get you to think about your work, to get you to describe your work, to get you to figure out why you're making these films, and to get you to actually put something on paper and to take a step forward. So, you know, I would say it's like, of course, we all want the money or we want to get into the festival and make progress. But the journey itself, the trying and, and maybe getting feedback if you get rejected is just as valuable than actually getting the reward. Mm -hmm. at the, yeah, it's all about learning and iterating and improving really during the process. Um, yeah. So what, uh, stay very <laughs> plug kind of question about the film fund, but what are some of your favorite things about the film fund? You've been with us for a few years now as a judge. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I discovered the film fund as submitting myself. Um, and I think what I loved about it was the brevity of it. You know, it's anything else you find is going to require mm. a lot of hours to to submit. And as I just said, there's a lot of benefit to that. But, you know, maybe you have an idea that you it's still pretty new, but you have a pretty clear sense of it enough to be able to put into one sentence and to get the validation of the film fund. You then feel like, OK, great. Now I know of all the ideas I have and all the ways to spend my two hours after mm -hmm. my nine to five. Right. I'm going to spend it on this idea. So I love that it it feels like it can be catered to people who are more experienced mm -hmm. and less experienced, that if you have a very clear, concise vision that you can be rewarded for that, because I don't think it's mm -hmm. easy to be concise either. You have to really understand something to be concise. But as some as someone myself who just always had a number of projects and a number, number of avenues I was pursuing and sometimes not being sure 
which one to put my whole self into. I just love that the film fund takes this very different approach. It feels like a more playful approach. Mm-hmm. It feels like a more accessible approach. Um, and, you know, you can submit more than one idea. You know, you right. can kind of, hey, here's a doc that I'm kind of working on and here's something else. And you can kind of get that. Um, you can potentially For get sure. that, that support. sure. We've had winners who have emailed me back after I send them the email, like, hey, congratulations, you you know received this amount uh, as a winner of the film fund. They're like, oh, my God, that's awesome. I submitted multiple ideas. <laughs> Which one is it for? Um, so it's, it's, you can submit as many as you want. Um, and I love that my background, at least my, uh, I guess my, my professional background too, I was going to say my educational background is uh, my master's program was in product development. A lot of the time, uh, is what we were working on in that entrepreneurship program. So I took that kind of methodology to call it the MVP approach, minimum viable product, where you make something very basic just to test basic assumptions. And you see if there's market validation for it. And that's essentially what you're doing with, I love that you said that, where you're, you know, is this idea, is it going to have that validation to devote more resources from it? Um, Because maybe I only have that hour after work. And then if I spend any more time on that, I'm going to burn out. Uh, So it gives you kind of a playground to experiment with different ideas and say like, oh, let's try this one and see, see how it does. And, you know, maybe if it was named as a finalist, like that's the validation you need. Like, oh, I'm going to workshop this more. Uh, we've had that too. I've had people email me back and say like, oh, um, you know, I wasn't selected as a winner, obviously, but like, I'm super excited to be a finalist. This gave me the kind of uh, kick in the butt or validation I needed to continue with this project. So I love seeing that. And that's kind of my whole reason for formulating the contest the way I do too. In addition uh, to the fact that doing a lottery system was <laughs> illegal, which I found out when I was coming up with the idea. Uh, that was the original idea. It was just going to be a lottery um, <laughs> to make it completely fair and random. But unless you have a license from the state, you can't do that. So I thought I thought of the next uh, simplest <laughs> um, approach and we ended up with a one-sentence idea. But um, yeah, I'm so glad you said that about the, the resources approach and validation kind of took the words out of my mouth there. Yeah, it's a great, yeah, the MVP is a great um, analogy for it. But I think even like in the rejection too, sometimes, you know, you have an idea and you put a little effort into it and you pitch it and someone doesn't like it. And that process suddenly Mm. makes you realize like, oh, I, but I actually really do. Now that I've done that, even though I didn't get this immediate validation the first time I tried, because I went through the process, I now know. You almost want to prove them wrong and be like, fuck, I want to work on this more. So. I think, yeah, exactly. I mean, we're all, you know, we're often working in silos and you're, you know, you're going to a coffee shop and you're trying to write your script or whatever you're doing. And you kind of just have to keep yourself disciplined and motivated. And that can be really hard, even for the the best of us, that can be really hard to have something like this, where it's not going to take a ton of time, but you can put an idea out there. There's a little bit of a kind of focusing and forcing mechanism and to potentially get uh, feedback or potentially get support, but maybe not, but you kind of get this quick hit of like being part of something or trying to be part uh-huh. of something. I, I've always found that to be really helpful. Yeah. And then you go I, back I into the cave well. and you keep, and uh, you know, when you, you do enter the film fund, you, whether you win or not, you're part of the community. We have a discord server. If you want to send messages, say hi, ask what I had for breakfast. Um, you can do all that too. Like being part of a community is a huge part of it for me too. You know, um, part of the reason I go to a co-working space rather than working just from my home office, my apartment desk. Uh, like I like 
being part of a community. I like sharing ideas and just being around people um, helps motivate me. So head over to that Discord server and, you know, you can even, you can freelance or uh, meet freelancers there. You can network with people, sh workshop scripts. Like there's a lot of potential there um, that I'm excited to see grow. And uh, yeah, stop on by. Jason, what, um, what is next for you in terms of your work? You said you have some projects that are maybe not related to film. You have some projects at Freethink. You have some feature screenplays you're working on. Got a lot on the, the plate there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I got my nine to five at Freethink, which is great. We're making all those, um, those short films. I kind of only have time for maybe one project on the side. And so for a few months okay. now, that has been a, um, a narrative feature that I've been outlining and kind of wrote the first uh, act and then kind of went back to the outline. And now I'm ready to kind of push through and do the full first, first draft. So my 2022 goal is to kind of draft and redraft that thing until it's oh, ready cool. to submit to the, um, the Sundance. That's like your ultimate lab. goal so for it to get into the, the screeners lab me. with it. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to, uh, you know, I guess like if I only get one thing, I would love to just get it made. But I think that Screenwriters Lab has always been mm -hmm. one of those, you know, special things in my mind, the people that go through the lab, and it just seems like it's an amazing opportunity. And so it's something that I've applied to multiple times with different projects and have never, um, never gotten in. And so I'm gonna, I'm gonna try again this year. Awesome. Love that attitude. Just got to keep trucking, right? That's right. Very cool. Jason, thanks so much for taking the time to speak with us and work with us past couple of years. So, you know, grateful to have you as a judge on our panel. You definitely bring a unique perspective. I love going through the process with you every contest we do. Um, where can we follow you on social media or on the internet? Yeah. Or in um, real my... life if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> they want to follow me down the street. Yeah. Uh, my website, uh, my full name, jasonstefaniak.com. Um, there's links on there for, for Twitter and, and Instagram. Uh, so that'd be a good place. Awesome. Cool. Head over to jasonstefaniak.com. We'll put that in the show description as well. So you can check that out. And uh, I just want to tell everyone recording this on Tuesday, February 16th, the contests are officially closed 2022, but they will be opening again soon. So go to the website, sign up for our newsletter to find out when I want to thank everyone for listening. Uh, check our social channels at the Film Fund on Instagram, Film Fund Co. on Facebook. Simply, what is it on Twitter? Jesus. Uh, simply, simply film. I'm, I've had a long day. Uh, <laughs> oh my God, I'm blanking on our Twitter <laughs> handle. I think it's simply, simply Film Fund on Twitter. Yeah, wow. Um, it's not like I run that every day. <laughs> uh, simply Film Fund on Twitter. And we have a LinkedIn too. If you're more about that corporate lifestyle, check us out there. Uh, excited to have you know prizes and sponsors, Expressway Cinema Rentals sponsoring that prize with the, uh, the Black Magic Ursa Mini G2 and the RE lens set. And uh, obviously our normal prize of up to $10,000 for your film and kit split gift cards as well. So we should have those prizes going forward. We're gonna confirm them as we do, but just wanna thank those sponsors. And you know, check out our website, our Learn page too. Uh, I used to call it the blog, now it's called Learn. It's got a lot of great how-to articles. How do I write a script? How do I do sound design? How do I budget? How do I do everything? Go check that out. Um, ebook, go on the resources page. Great tips on the pre-production process. Again, I want to thank everyone for listening. Jason, do you have anything else you want to add before we wrap up? 
Um, no, it's just been really fun to to be involved. And, and as we were saying, you know, I think people should just give it a shot and submit and, and to not ever be discouraged by rejection, you know, it might not happen this time, but maybe maybe next time. And, and that's just part of the process. So but I, I appreciate being involved. And it's always fun to kind of read people's ideas. Yeah, thank you. I, I love having you as part of the process. We do have a feedback service, too. So if you submit something um, and you want feedback, you know, from some of our judges on that, um, check that little box, too, and we'll get that to you. Uh, so thanks, everyone. Uh, Jason, I will talk to you very soon as we begin this judging process for the current contest. So with that, I will say see you later and talk to you soon. Have a good thanks, one, everyone. Tom. Bye.